Episode 20 of Gaming in BS, sponsored by darktheater.net. Check out Dark Theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E is how you spell the Dark Theater. Hola, Listenerville. This is one of your hosts, Sean. And this is Brett. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for episode 20 of Gaming and BS. Announcements. I will announce that we are now on RPGpodcast.com. So I know the guys that run that. Cool. Um, And it's, I mean, it doesn't take much. You fill out a form and put in your feed. So if that is it's just another resource for you guys to um, go to if you if you check out rpgpodcast.com. They also do, or they have done in the past, Scott and Adam have compiled uh, listener surveys in the past that have done, uh, my buddy Scott actually ruined with that Gen Con years ago in 2011. <clears throat> and uh, I think he's at Story Shtick and on Twitter. I don't think, I don't see him too much on social media anymore, but they used to do like, uh, a long, pretty in-depth survey, and then they would share that through different um, podcasts. One of them was the Genisodes in the past, and they would say, <clears throat> you know, how what games do you play? How many games at one time? You know, what are your top two games? And then what podcasts do you listen to? Um, and, and all this stuff. And then they would share it with everybody. But uh, So that's rpgpodcast.com. Check that out. Another um, announcement. Not it's not really something tangible. But Brett and I talked about it briefly, and we met with Alex Kammer, who is the director of Gamehole Con, and uh, we will be, or we are, the official podcast for Gamehole Con. And we went to Alex, and we had a list which I did not bring, and that's okay. We we, we sat down and we said, hey, we should try to ask him. Can we do X? Can we do Y? Man, what if we could? What if we record some seminars? That could be kind of cool. How about we do this? Um, what could we set up to make sure we interview people properly and, you know, don't get in people's faces and stuff. And we sat down, Alex being as gracious and as nice as he is, he goes, all right, you know, we get lunch, we sit there and uh, we're like, so we're thinking about doing stuff. And Alex says, whatever you want to do is fine. So I'm going <laughs> like, to make this really easy for you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Which I mean. is awesome because now we can, I'm going to streak when I get there, I'll probably streak, maybe even do the podcast without any pants on. I may sing. No, you're not. <laughs> this is oh, why I'm there. So Alex, Brett, Alex gave me. I got the look from Alex. Just, just make sure you keep him in track. So, so Brett, I'm there for that. Brett's. You heard it here. Brett does not care. He he's vehemently against me singing, but not podcasting without pants. See, I wear a kilt, so I, you know, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh, it's cool though. Alex is a Alex is a good dude, and um, you know what he's doing with Gamehole with the rest of the team there, and how they're building things up. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's just an opportunity to uh, to just kind of more exposure for us. But if nothing else, just I get to nerd out, right? And um, maybe get to interview some folks and just kind of see what's going down. And we got to sort out how we want to do 
do we do live feeds? Do we record stuff, post them that evening or whatever? So we've got some thoughts that we're putting together on that. And I know we've got a, um, a poll on our uh, on our website about um, broadcasting seminars and so forth. So if, if somebody's got an idea of like, hey, I'd like to learn X about game hold, do you think you guys could cover that or anything along those lines? Pitch it to us. Can't guarantee that we'll get on it, but uh, we'll definitely put it in our list of shit to think about. The poll's not on the website yet. Dude, I, I thought it was on the website. No, game, it's on Google+. This Plus. is just this is like the iTunes thing. Get this. No, oh, I'll, my I'll, God. I know. I'll update the website. But um, one right. one thing I told Brad, and it was what we were going to do is kind of like a uh, show in the morning, show in the afternoon. It'll probably be mixed in with this feed because, you know, you guys are the audience, even though you may not be going to Game Hole. You know, you're still gamers, so we don't want to do a separate feed just for that. And if you guys don't like it, you can just go forward right through it or pass, you know, delete it. Um, but I vow, I vow that if uh, if I we do go the 100 miles, which is to record seminars in addition to the morning, afternoon, or morning, early evening shows that we're going to do, um, they are going to sound decent. because. Well. One, yeah. of, one of the things that really irks me, and podcasters, I love you guys. Uh, I really do, and I, I, I can appreciate the effort that you guys put through behind this. Like, you, you guys have remote people that will record the show, so it's not always your fault. But, man, there's nothing worse than, hey, we recorded, you know, Frank Metzner at whatever, and the sound quality sucks. And then, worst of all, people ask questions in the audience, and you never know what the question is. And then the person answers, and you can probably figure it out after the fact, but I'm telling you, if I do this thing, it's going to have, the person that's talking is going to have a mic, and it's going to be pumped in just like you hear it right now. And when people ask questions, they're going to have a mic in front of them. And I'll probably stand it up, and if you want to ask, you just stand up, go to the mic, and talk. And it's going to, so, if it doesn't sound decent, I won't release it. Hey! If it doesn't sound decent, I won't release it. All right, that's that's your new catchphrase. That's cute. <laughs> no, it's it's a good point. I mean, I've listened to other podcasts that have uh, had seminars or Q and A sessions or whatever it is, and if the it has to be of uh, decent sound quality, you can hear the questions or at least have the questions repeated back or something, so you can tell what the hell's going on. Because nine times out of ten, I can't follow what's happening, and then that episode is just garbage because I I can't figure out what the hell's going on, and it's just a lot of extra effort on my part to. Uh, to figure it out you deserve it audience you rpg gamer who wants to listen to this or the seminar and find out what the scoop is you deserve good you deserve to hear it at a really good sound quality there you go that's all i have to say about that cool okay so shall we shall we do the one should we get into the sponsor quick let's hit grade out let's go Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right. So uh, one thing, uh, and I'm going to read this. I don't know if you didn't. Did you read this? 
No, I just saw it this morning. I was up in uh, I, I was back up in the far northern northern portion of where Wayne Humphrey lives. I was far above the uh, the bridge there this last weekend. So I just got back earlier today, sorting through this post that looks kind of interesting. So yeah, let's do the random encounter thing. Brett is like, man, you know, to have like millions of dollars and houses up north oh, and all this other garbage. I mean, it's ridiculous the stuff oh, I got to put know. up. You should see him at work. Shows up, doesn't even care if he gets a paycheck because he's just. He'll just, ah, uh, you know, my cabin up in the woods or whatever it is. Smoking hunters, lighting them with 50s. That's my thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's all because of our sponsors and exactly. our exposure. If we weren't for this podcast, we'd both end up being the poorhouse. Absolutely. Yeah, right. All right, let's do this. All right. So we haven't done Random Encounter. Random Encounter where we take messages, emails from social media, uh, phone calls, smoke signals, and we have one from Scott. I won't say Scott's last name. Scott W. And we'll read this quick. In reference to episode 19, homebrew settings, you guys were spot on with the real problem. Players. No matter how dis, uh, digestible one makes setting info, it seems, uh, it seems if it is not published with fancy art, no one gives two shits. And it's not about ego. It is about, hey, here are the borders of the sandbox. Here are some toys to get us started. And here are some other kids to meet. This goes into the fact that while I see lots of gamers bitch about how generic and samey settings are, given the chance to discuss what they would like to see or presented with something different slash non-Tolkien, they scoff and usually do not want to waste time if it is too different. They actually love their humans in funny suits, vanilla, Tolkien, D&D, RPG to their very bones, but they just can't admit it until uh, cornered on the topic. I know people who are more than happy to run 5e right out of the player's handbook, completely ignoring the entire point of 5e, make it your own, um, that goes that goes with any RPG. As for show length, well, that's a whole other deal, um, our podcast, he's got a podcast, Huh, I'll have to check that yes, out. Yes, he does. Um, but we go over if we are on a roll and what the type. I'll have to, I don't even, I would have plugged him if he had left me what it was. Yeah, he's actually, well, he said he's got a, a video up on YouTube, he said yes. as well, where he, where he talks about the uh, the vanilla setting and so on. So oh, your pretty, cursor's there. I thought you typed that in there. Yeah. yeah. So no, 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 no. He did that. The entire point of 5e is make it your own. I actually have a video on YouTube covering this phenomenon. That goes with any RPG. As for show length, he goes that, oh, thanks and uh, appreciating the sound in space issues. Star Wars versus Firefly. Keep going. You guys are making my time walking the streets of Vienna durable on the weekends. No, I'm not Austrian. I'm simply working here temporarily, which is awesome. I've been to, uh, I have not been to Vienna, but I've been to Austria. I like Europe, but if you're alone, it probably can have its shortcomings. Uh, I was there with buddies of mine and stationed in the military, but I loved Europe. And, you know, I hope it's a good experience for you over there. Thanks for writing in, Scott. Absolutely. And I um, think that that's interesting. Sean and I have talked about the, uh, the, uh, issue of players, right? <laughs> it sounds horrible, but when you do have, when you've got a group of people and you want to talk to them, and I do talk out my group quite a bit, and Sean gives me shit for it, but it's kind of cool when you actually have a group of folks that you can say, "All right, guys, I want to do something different. What about it?" And you break things down. At the end of the day, we say, "You know what? I really do like this thing, and that's okay. I only want to tweak it in this one direction." And um, it's interesting to see the amount of people online or various places that would just bitch and bitch and fucking moan about. Basic D&D, &D, this, that, and the other thing, 
But guess what is the best-selling role-playing game out there, right? It's that thing. It's Pathfinder. It's D&D. It's that basic generic thing that everybody says they hate, but that um, if sales mean anything, that's the thing most people are playing. So quite frankly, it seems like most people like it, right? Yeah. Even though, like, even though they like to bitch. It's the 300-pound gorilla, and people play it. And even if you don't play so we could have substituted anything other than D&D. It could be Swords and Wizardry. It could be Labyrinth Lord. It could be anything. It could be what people may consider their D&D heartbreak or fantasy yeah. heartbreak game is what they call them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Players, they get kind of set in their ways sometimes. Not all of them. Not, we don't lump, well, we don't we lump everybody into it. We were talking about it last time. We talked about last time, right? Where you know Doc gave you some info, you didn't fucking read it, dude. Oh, I know, you know, it's terrible. And then when you give info Thanks. to your players and they don't read it, and you're like, guys, you know, you asked me about this, I gave you something, you didn't bother to check it out. And it's one thing I um don't always say this, but I'd like to is that when you, it's one thing to say, look, hey, I'm I'm Sean, I forgot to read your thing, Doc. I'm really sorry, but I'm not using that as an excuse to be a dick, or I'm not, you know, I'm willing to take my my lumps for forgetting to read it. Or whatever the case is, and then just not being an ass about it, versus yeah, I don't, I won't read that. I'm just going to play however the hell I want to anyway, or, or whatever. So, I, I get where Scott's coming from, right? When you've had, I've had those players in the past where you've done the work, you've done something, and this goes to what we talked about with props and various other things. You create something that's supposed to be fun or cool, or that the group told you they wanted, you produce it, and uh, they just don't give two shits about it, and that's it can be disheartening. <laughs> So I've always uh, I have always said this is that you need to be appreciative of the work that everybody at the table puts in. You know, even sometimes I've got a buddy of mine, JR, he works shift, he uh swing shifts sometimes. And when he shows up sometimes like, Hey John, how's it doing? Oh Christ, Brad, I haven't I got three hours of sleep last night because they fucking changed shifts on me. I'm like, Thanks, man. I'm glad you showed up. I can't believe you're here. You should go home and go to bed. Nope, I want a game. Yeah, yeah, he's not super into that into it that evening, but you gotta at least say thank you, right? My does guys he, does always he listen? thank me for does he listen but, to the show? No, he does not. Well, then I I don't care what he. I don't. Yeah. I don't take his excuses. I'm I just always kidding. say thank. I mean, this is goofy, right? But I mean, when I've gamed at a convention, I thank the DM. I thank my fellow players when I get up and leave. Yeah. If I'm running a game, nine times out of ten, the group says, "Brett, thanks for coming up, man. That was a lot of fun. We had a good time tonight." Everybody says thank you. It's a small, simple thing, but it, it's kind of. I'm digressing probably from Scott's original point. It just brings it piece up to me. You need yeah. to be appreciative of the work that's being done. Yeah. One thing I did not put in the show notes, um, and you can pull it up on your end, Brett, is episode 19 got a few comments. Oh, so I wanna, cool. I want to highlight those. So Go Eric, for it. Eric, I'll call Eric out because he's, he's the Frank house. And I know he would want us to call him out, but um, well, if you don't call out Frank house, man, that means he didn't do a good post. So let's, let's, it was short got. and brief, but he, he, you know, so one of the things he mentioned was, um, regarding homebrew. So the last episode 19, we did on homebrew RPG settings. Eric weighed in, said also, he said something, he wants to be on the show, but, um, we'll talk to him about that. Anyway, skipping that, Eric, I'm not giving you an answer on the air, but I, I will talk. Also, it doesn't take just, uh, take just as long to study an adventure than to make your own. If you make your own, you know what you can use. Plus they can't question yourself. They can't question you is what he meant. Um, and this is now I commented, of course, this is coming from the Iron GM. So if you don't know Eric Frankhouse, he is on what is his what is because he has a podcast or something he does to refresh and refresh re- and reload. Yeah. Yep. Refresh and reload.com. Check him out. 
But Eric is, I know Eric, he's from Milwaukee down the road. He he shows up at Gary Con and Game Hole Con and he pimped another con on Google Plus. But he's uh he's won Iron GM a few times. And Iron GM, if you're not familiar with that, is an event that has taken place quite qualifying rounds at smaller cons. And then they have this big event in uh, at Gen Con that Roan Barton and a few others put on. And, uh, oh, Jen, what's Jen, Jen's last name? Oh, I'm forgetting it too. Oh, booger. And Jen was at Game Hole Con too. Well, Frank House and I spent some time always way inebriated when we finally had a good chance to start talking. So it wasn't the best conversation that Eric and I have ever had. But at Game Hole Con, we started talking about what he does for different things in his world versus my world through just different concepts of what we're doing. And I think he's got a very valid point in, in that when I sit down, I'm like, look, I want to absorb this setting and I want to be able to speak to it with um, the level of authority that my players and I expect of me as the game master or my player or as a player, I want to make sure I understand this. If I do as a game master, make it myself, It, I agree. It actually, um, if I look at it, the time it takes me to study the adventure, the setting to really become the master of that versus the thing I already know myself like the back of my hand about the same so yeah i think there's there's value in that jen page was i know she was involved i don't know if she still is but iron gm i didn't finish what it was so it's a competition where they get i don't know 10 or 12 gms and you're given three things three words and you're given a table of like six to eight players and that gm has to come up with a game based on those three words. And then they're voted on by the table, like how, you know, certain questions that they the the players weigh in on. And I know that Eric is I know he's at least won twice. Um which I was actually there. I participated as a player at one of them and I didn't even know who he was. And uh but yeah he's he's good a good egg. But yes, homebrew, make it your own players won't question you because it's yours no i like it it's a good it's a good point i think it's really valid because the if i look back at the sheer volume of time i spent mastering the Dragonlance setting back in the day all the novels i read and the very start some of them were quite worse than others but anyway um reading all that stuff and tearing through uh for realms and greyhawks info greyhawk info just to bone up on the world yeah i could had i spent that same time developing my world yeah i get it totally valid point Chad writes in or comments on, so these are all in the comments on the blog. You can go to Gaming and BS. Oh, I should really get a small, short, a URL shortener, but episode 19, there's some comments. Chad writes in, friend of the show, I enjoyed this one being homebrew guy almost since I started running games. I think it's a great thing to try and get people to do. After so many years killing kobolds, orcs, and even dragons, it's a cool feel when you get to the kobold chief and he's as strong as you are or even stronger. Or you take on the Gorgon that is somehow damaged and so... You don't have as fierce an adversary. I had never really run into this until I started playing with Brett and the WGG guys. Since then, I've started incorporating this theorem in my own gaming to a mixed result, depending on the group I'm playing with. I like to think homebrew happens more often than not, so I was very happy with this episode. I see he also wants to kick you out of the state if you don't become a Packers fan, which I think might be a little drastic. Yeah. We'll give you one more year. If you don't turn around, then I think I'll re- uh, have your visa revoked. There's a reason why I don't meet some of these guys face-to-face. Yeah, yeah. Kidding, what he's guys. talking about, what he's uh, what Chad's talking about, the Gorgon, is uh, I had the guys encounter a Gorgon and actually two Minotaurs in the sewers beneath the city of Avalon, and um, they weren't 
of the appropriate power level, if you will, from just a balance. Like, look, if I go full on where the Gorgon has all the powers it has out of the book, it'll crush them. There's no way, you know, the breath, weapon, the whole bit. So I had indicated it was old. It had been wounded. Its mouth wasn't, you know, was essentially wired shut or a busted jaw wasn't fully functional. And, you know, I can't remember the, all the details I had behind it, but it but couldn't you breathe. Paint, you painted the picture of this is a helpless <laughs> Gorgon. Kind of, yeah. But it did beat the crap out of them. Holy shit. I mean, it was still a big, you know, steel-covered bull that wanted to eat them. So it was pretty intense. It was pretty cool. So anyway. Zave comes to my defense and says, I can stay in the state of Wisconsin. Thanks, Zave. Thanks, I did. Zave. Thanks, Zave. Uh, I, might, I appreciate that. Zave's my buddy now. And Chad, well, well say lovey. He says, great show. Really enjoy every one of them. As to homebrew, I never run a pre-made adventure, not saying there are not great ones out there, and I've enjoyed being a player in many of them. I bought uh, one pre one I bought pre blah, blah, one pre-made many, many years back, read it over and found that twenty five percent it is of it unusable or usable, sorry, twenty five percent of it usable and homebrewed up the rest. So how he started up a world, find a system you as a GM love and understand. Remove anything you don't like, add anything you do like, start with whatever size map you have the time to build, give your player races and classes they will enjoy playing. When starting the campaign, give the players a few options as to paths they can take, let the path the players take fill the map as the game plays out, add in areas the players can find, caves, dungeons, lost cities, anything you can think of. Before or during the game, come up with a few large quest paths they the players can pick up at any time. This is sometimes easier to do once you see what the group likes or outright says what they want. Absolutely. Um, as said on this podcast, talk to your players before the game about the system, the world, what their wants and needs are. This will make everything go much smoother. We, which we I think, it, yeah, I think what he says though is, I mean, and I do see it, it works for some, but I can also see Scott W's point earlier, right? The first one we'd read off. Yeah around where sometimes you, you do have some players that either clam up on you or whatever the case is. So sometimes you'll start off when you got them to agree to go X and halfway through you can tell they don't give a shit and you should really go X plus one or X minus two or Y or fuck it, go to a t- different, totally different alphabet. And that's fine. You can switch midstream. And if you are willing to do the homebrew thing, even if you take a pre-published adventure, hack out 75% of it, and change it halfway through because the players don't care about dragons. They care about beholders or the, all they care about are, is um, finding a lost um, spaceship. Then you can do that. You can totally switch it up halfway through. La- uh, lastly, no- so this is going to Zave still. Lastly, knowing the system will give the GM the power to act on your feet to fill in areas of the map, events, or anything that could happen, come up in the game. Uh, he just started Rollmaster role Homebrew. Chad is one of five players I have at the table. We made it through a three and a half hour character generation. Shockingly, no one walked out. We start. If the you've camp- ever played Rollmaster, you know that's three and a half hours is not unheard of. We start the campaign soon, and I'm sure Chad or I will give you an update as to how the homebrew is coming. Cool. Have you uh, has Zave ever DM'd you? Have you ever been? Uh, no, he has not. No. I've uh, I've run for Zave for well over twenty years now, but uh, he's always been a player. I've never played with him. Something I'm to put have on, to make that happen. Something to put on the to-do list. Sounds like there's a role mastery game in the making. I know. He posted up there. I'm like, shit, fuck, I'm nowhere near them right now. So Shane, anyway. Shane comments, 
Can you get Brett to talk about gaming wikis and using them to organize homebrew games? I've always run homebrew worlds and campaigns, but it's always done on paper and notebooks. What wiki site do you like best? How do you organize it? So not looking for you to answer that right now unless you can do it in a few minutes. Otherwise, we I do can't. It. We're going to have to do it in our next one. I was going to say. We'll to cover it next time because that's a whole topic, man. Yeah. So, yeah, and Brett probably does it more than I do. I tried wiki and uh, meh. He can't even do iTunes updates, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got to say to you. Nice. Let's get into the topic. Thanks so much for everybody leaving comments. Thanks for the email. If you have a question for the show, by all means, you know, send us an email at gamingandbs at gmail.com. Go to the post for the episode, leave a comment. Hit us up on Twitter, Google+, Facebook. We're on all those. Or... Nobody. Here's the deal. Who's going to be the first one to leave us a voicemail at 929-BIG-DICE? We, we have yet to get a voicemail. If you, if you email or if you do that, you'll be the first one. And we will make it known you are the first. Uh, yeah. Somebody's going to call Somebody's <laughs> going to call in and be like, we left you a voicemail. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Thanks. Way to go. Thanks in advance, whoever you are. Nice. All right. All right, moving on. Moving on. Let's get into the topic discussion. Holy cow, we're going to be on like a three-hour show here. AXP and advancement. Brett, why did you pick this topic, Brett? We were talking about this at the end of our last podcast. We were wrapped things up, talked about it. And um, one of the things that Sean was talking about at the end of last one, we were talking about homebrews, and his one buddy, Jeff, who was not responding J- well to JW. The- Jeffrey, J-W. yeah, J Dub, not responding well to the whole. Um, God damn it, use Google Plus and where's uh, my XP? Where's my XP? And uh, Sean and I were talking about tracking XP and stuff. I said I, I don't even fucking do it anymore. He's like, what? And I said, you know what we've been doing is last time I re- ran a Pathfinder uh, system is we went through it was a, it was a campaign arc. So we had all these different plots. It took us about a year real time getting together once a month. We we uh, got through it all. And what I would do was instead of Calculating experience points every session and having that be a little number on the sheet that they track. Like, oh, we did this, this, and this, and that netted me 500. We're almost 600 away. <clears throat> oh, and another 1,000 XP, I'll get to be whatever level. I kept a running tally of sorts, if you will, in the back of my head based on how they played, what they encountered, and so forth, and would tell them, everybody, you uh, you did really well tonight. This was great. Level your guys up next time. Great. One level? Yep. Everybody levels up. Perfect. And off we went. And every once in a while, I would have somebody I would get a hold of them offline and say, you level up. Or when I say level up next time, or whatever the case was, or I gave them a little bump or something if they did an exceptional job or, or kind of went above and beyond. But part of it came down to then Sean and I talking about, well, how are you doing that? You know, is it always, do, am I using the math by the book? Ha, ha, ha. We have already learned Brett doesn't do that. Or what modified system or whatever in the hell it is are you doing? So I'm pretty much, I'm of the camp. I, I learned doing this big time with my uh, White Wolf days back in my vampire world where they had a list of saying, look, you show up to the game pretty much one XP. If you participated two uh, three, if you did a really good job, four, if you're like standout, holy shit guy, and maybe one at the close of a chapter or something along those lines. And the way my group operates, we don't really care so much. We care to a point, like if you fought 500 kobolds and an ogre at the end, you're like, wow, that was pretty good. It was a tough fight, pretty scrappy. We almost got our asses kicked because we were second level. 
We made it, though. I expect to get something from all of that. There's other times, though, we've gone through a session and it was all talky, 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 role play, role play, role play, not a lot of combat. Very intense, a lot of um, digging into things, talking to people, threatening this guy, figuring that out, pulling all these clues together. And I'm like, you know what? That was just as intense as battling the, uh, you know, the bugbears and their and their uh, dire bear steeds two sessions ago. You level up again, and that way you get the Pavlovian level up perspective where you keep getting something. But I'm not putting a number on your sheet because I don't like the distraction that experience points on the sheet give. Sean, do you have a retort, or what do you think? Oh, um, so I have run games, and I've I have done it by the book to the point of a spreadsheet. I don't like that much math. Well, it's easy. You just well, okay, yeah. Well, this is the way you do it. If you set it up in a spreadsheet, and I was doing Pathfinder at the time. So the encounters are right there. The encounter would say, if they defeat this, award them for 1,500 XP. And so what I would do is I would call it whatever encounter number it was, and then I would put in the total, and then I would have the amount of players that were in that session or in that encounter, and it would spit out the total for each person for that encounter. Oh, okay. And then if I did it, so that would be encounter, and then if I you know, had three encounters, I would call it, session. So then I would add all the encounters up by for each person and go, here's your XP for the entire session. And I I would do it by the book and see what happens. And you know, the nice, so here's kind of the, the thing. And the reason I did it that way was because that's the way I just wanted it cut and dry. There was no misinterpretation. It was like, you killed freaking bugbear. Bugbears are worth this. You have 20 people in your party. You get two XP. Done. Done. Finished. Now, now, I did have a buddy of mine growing up who, you know, growing up in in the AD&D days was kind of a similar XP kind of dealio. He would take like the monster. Well, you'd get XP for gold as well. Oh, yeah. And then he would do the same. And then he would put like bonuses. And he would put bonuses based on little things that would occur. Like he would say... Um, plus 10 role play bonus. And he would you get were cle- that. You were clever. You figured out the trap before anybody else did. Or well, the cases. he broke it down into multiple things. So like everybody, oh, cool. everybody would get, you may not get any bonuses or you would, you would get more bonuses than any, he could give bonuses to all the whole group or he could get, like he could say group XP X monster XP Y, you know, gold XP Z. And then he would say, bonus XP for role-playing, plus 50. And then maybe he just gave me that or another player. And then he would say, for squashing the big bad guy or the big retort against the big bad guy, blah, 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 or whatever, how it was. And then he'd put that in extra. And then you would just he would give you it on a sticky note. So it wasn't like this big complicated system, and it was all arbitrary, some of that stuff. So, See, the, now when we're talking about – I guess I should be specific, right, because different game systems use – the advancement set differently, right? Because right. we're talking about a very traditional, old school, you rack up X number of points for the Pavlovian ding, level two, ding, level three, where you're watching the bar raise. Yeah, we're obviously when, talking about the level-based <clears throat> systems yeah. here, right? Now, even though when, even so, when I was uh, White Wolf and so forth, that was it's point-based, right? It's for the dots on your character sheet, X number of points equal this. 
and GURPS and uh, Hero Champions and some of those things. Shad- Shadowrun does karma points, I believe. Okay. I, I only played a couple of sh- uh, few sessions of Shadowrun, but you get like karma points and you get some other stuff. So it's points. You get points and then you can kind of spend them different ways. And if you accumulate yes. them, you can spend them. You take a bigger chunk of them and spend them yeah, in something sometimes that's you more want a resource. Bank it, right? Because yes. you've got to bank it because you've got a weapon skill of six. You want seven, but it costs you 20, so you got to bank it. Right. <clears throat> so my thing when I did that was I always said, okay, guys, we're done for the night. I'm going to step out in the hallway one at a time for experience points. And I'd send people out and i say, you get three, you get four, you get two, you get three, Ooh, you get two. Secret. And the, yeah, the reason we did that, like you said, kind of the sticky note thing only, and I always tell people, you can share this info if you want. Mm. I don't care. If somebody got big Buku experience points, it was because it was, in our group anyway, it was always a role-playing thing. You had somebody, for whatever reason, was like the star that night. Question. They did, they did an awesome thing. Yeah. Why do, you, why, do you pull them up? why do you pull them separately? Because in the uh, White Wolf game we were running with, the Vampire game, a lot of times you have PvP type of action going on. And you don't want to know what everybody else has. It kept the whole power base concept hidden and mysterious. Mm. So you'd have the big bad bruiser motherfucker vampire against the magic using vampire motherfucker. And the two motherfuckers didn't know which motherfucker was the toughest one. Did we say we were explicit? (laughs) We kind of did right there. (laughs) But anyway, that that was the reason, right? I did the same thing when I've run Amber for a longer term because, again, Amber is very PvP. And even if it's not very PvP, I think... For me, anyway, it gives a little something that you as a player then have. And um, uh, how do I do this? The other thing I did on on the side was instead of just points, someone come in and said, look, you get three, three of this and refresh this pool. Really? Yeah, you totally did a great thing. It's just money. But instead of resources of X percent, you don't have resources of Y percent or X plus whatever because you knocked over that armored car. You got enough money to keep your resources up, or you did this investment thing, or whatever it was. So I was able to use experience points plus the non, excuse me, the non-system based stuff, more ad hoc slash modified system. Where even when I run GURPS and stuff, you get character points. So it's say, hey, by the way, you also have this new dependent. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, I'm sorry, you got a new dependent. You made buddies with the with the orphanage guys. Now the kids are hanging on you, right? Is it or, like hey, taxes? You get a dependent? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Or you could do the, you know what, you through this through the last two sessions, you've been buddy buddy with the chief of police. Guess what? Your superhero guy, he now has an ally, hmm. a level two ally. Really? Yeah, dude, you've been playing with the chief of police as your buddy. You built this up in game. Boom, you get that free. Done. You have ally level two. Off you go. Or you know, I'm using level two out of my pocket. I don't quite remember the mechanic behind it. But again, when it was done privately, either in writing an email. Mm-hmm. or in verbally, then people would have it. <clears throat> it's like, I earn this, I have this thing. If you want to share it, you can share that in game or not. Or you could tell everybody, hey, I got five experience points. I got four. I got five points to build whatever with. Is that, it kinda, was your th- that was is, your thing to do. Is it kind of like salary? You don't kinda talk like about, like, you, don't hey, talk about you, like can, you can, but it's kind of like, what? Yeah, you bring you, it up, but that's kind of rude. You got seven and I got five. What? I'm getting ripped off. The thing, though, is that for me is I think you need to keep the advancement going in whatever in some way. I have played games where you don't move, right? <laughs> They're like, I'll give you – I had a guy who did um, – in high school, he's like, you'll get experience points at the end of the adventure. Well, the adventure took like five weekends. And you're like, okay, mm. we're getting our asses handed to us. And as a younger kid in high school, you're going through this. And I'm like, 
we have killed blah, 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 done all these things. I should be fourth level by now, goddammit. I'm stuck at third, slogging through this thing. Yay, at the end we went up two levels, and now my guy could cast Fireball, which would have been fucking handy two weeks ago. You know, so <clears throat> I guess where I'm coming from is that whatever method you choose, I really think that you have to match the power claim needs, the advancement needs that your group has. Some people don't care if they go slow, right? right? And as long as the story keeps progressing, they're fine. My last Avalon game I ran using my uh, Osric and uh, Gumshoe mashup uh, for system, the guys didn't get past like third level. No one gave a crap because combat wasn't important for that component of it. It was more around using the Gumshoe skills that they had to do the investigative work and the role-playing they had to do to find people, to get stuff, to beg, brow, and steal. <clears throat> Excuse me, they got in a couple fights, but it was nothing too drastic. They really didn't need the firepower because the, the way the story was running, the power curve wasn't as necessary, From at least from the uh, Pavlovian can-I-throw-fireballs-yet perspective. Yeah, and the funny thing is my buddy Jeff is – he doesn't. He gets irked at rules lawyers and power gamers, but he's the one freaking pinging me for XP. Like, oh, come on, man. Then, then you're free, then you're a power gamer. I mean, it's why do you want XP? Well, I go level up. I want this. Well, then, anyways, what now? What I'm doing in Five E, running Minds of Fandalver. In case you guys haven't listened to the podcast for a few episodes. And I think we're into session three or four. And the last one was all, they got into a town and it's all role play based. So a lot of quests, right? Here, hey, can you go and do this? Hey, can you go and do that? And then they're going to come together and figure out what they want to do. But somebody would say, well, what, you don't award for good role playing? Your role playing encounters? Which, yes, I would if. Which, yeah, that's fine. It's legit. I'm not going to just hand out XP just for combat because I don't just, I don't like that type of reward system. Kill monsters, take stuff, get leveled up. Yes, some games are exactly like that, and I don't have a problem with that. And if that's the game you're running, that's fine. That's cool. That's not really the one I'm running because I don't have a problem giving them a good XP on an encounter. What I'm really doing with this game is because it's a pre canned adventure is to make sure that the level creep doesn't occur too fast and that's for their benefit too even though they i'm protecting my players from themselves um because i don't want to so i mean literally if the next the next kind of chapter they need to Mm -hmm. be levels four through five four through six i'll just say hey you're level four and it also depends on how many players you have so I'm gonna, yes. you know, I'm not gonna give them level four if they got like, or I'm not gonna give them level five or six if they have six players. Well, th- what I guess we're getting into right here is the, and this just hit me now, is it's kind of a segue fuel back to game balance in a way, right? Yeah, game because you, you, you're you're trying to make sure that um, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase because I can't directly quote Monty Cook had a uh, post on Google Plus a while back. Yeah, who's that, who's about- that guy? I don't know. I think he wrote a game something uh, a while back, something about dice. I don't fucking know. Whatever. Some cookie guy. But anyway, Cookie says on his uh, post, we, we call him Cookie. Well, when you're friends like we are, you can call him Cookie. Oh, you guys are um, tight. Go way back. <laughs> yeah. Monty Cookie. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he's going to see me one day at a con and punch me dead in the face. That's why uh, we can anyway. talk about it because he's never going to know what he's talked about on this show. That's <laughs> exactly. so awesome. But anyway, he's got a Google Plus post. He's talking about a friend of his who unfortunately died and uh, used to be a game master. They love playing this guy's games. And one of the things that Monty said in there 
um, was his friend understood that game balance meant that the players felt challenged, right? It was a challenge and so on and so forth. He just basically, you know, that I'm paraphrasing, right? I, I can dig the quote up at a later time. But right. so what Sean's talking about doing is taking whatever it is and saying, look, you don't need any experience points right now because the challenges are appropriate for your level. This is fine. I'm feeling like you as players and characters, if I balance what's going on, what you got going, you're fine. If I know what I have coming up next to really help you um, get set for it, I should you know, make sure you're rewarded appropriately. That, that totally makes sense. And I think that's um, even when I gave experience points uh, privately, that was a similar type of reason. Yeah, have, have some trust in me. I'm not going to stiff you. And I'm going to make sure that you're, you know, in this, in the, in, in this particular situation, cause it's all written anyway. Um, yeah. So I, so going back to the original, Hey, what do you do? So I've done it a couple of different ways. I've done it like the spreadsheet way and breaking it really down by monster and by trap and all that other stuff and CR. And then I've also just said, here, you get this. And I've also even not even done it kind of, um, in pacing, sometimes I've just said, "Thousand XP for everybody." Well, what's that based on? I don't know. I just pulled a number out of my butt, and here you go. And, it, yeah. and some of it, some of it does tie to um, pacing and making sure they don't ramp up too fast. But you know, usually I throw them a bone. I mean, even like back in the day, if I sent you know five hundred XP, five hundred XP, and it's the nice thing is, is they have to kind of. Oh, how many do we got to go to get this? How many do we got to go to get that? And they'd always be like, "Oh, I'm one short." Uh, you know, like, "Oh, that sucks." I guess you're gonna have to wait till the next uh, scenario. And I've been that think, guy. You don't want your players, though. I mean, this is much more juvenile, hopefully, than your players are. But the concept of, "Oh, I'm five XP away." Fuck it. Where's the nearest bartender? Uh, you know? How many XP? Or how many? How many XP are kobolds worth? I'm gonna go kill yeah. ten kobolds. Kill six people. Done. Yeah, yeah I got my XP. I think um do 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 so a do 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 I think what you said there about the trust thing is important, right? Is that regardless of how you're doing the balance thing, assuming you guys have an understanding of how you're gonna do game balance with your group or whatever it is, um, then the climb is fine. Because if you take a game like Call of Cthulhu, for instance, right? If you do a successful check on the basic role playing system, you put a little check by the box saying, Hey, I my skill of anthropology, I did it successfully <clears throat> at the end of this session story or whatever i can check to see if it goes up a little bit and then figure out what that is um that's cool it's an ad it's i as player did this really well i will remind myself and when i am a keeper running call cthulhu i don't give a crap if you forget to check or if you oh i think i did that but i didn't check the box too bad oh, one you, because oh you play a strong way, arm because it's called cthulhu and ah. in that in that world it's you know cosmic horror oh my god Entropy, there is no God. We're made by the great old blah, blah, blah. So when you do that, to me, it's like you have to take that on yourself to keep track of it. Otherwise, you know, in that type of setting, too bad. Oh, interesting. Because, again, that's that's a different world and the whole concept behind that balance is, you know, struggling uphill fight against shit that's way stronger than you. And my group's like, oh, no, that totally makes sense. We're fine with that. Um Oh, so one interesting thing. So talking about XP and advancement, I love to talk about Dungeon World because I know somebody's like, oh, I, bet you I bet you they're not going to talk about Dungeon World. I'm going to write in about Dungeon World or Apocalypse World. I haven't run into Apocalypse World, but if you haven't tuned into Dungeon World, I'll look into it. It's a pretty, I like it. It's a good system. It's very open and very collaborative. But in Dungeon World, when you fail, 
you get XP. So you Rollmaster Rollmaster does that too. Or do my recollection of playing Merp Middle Earth role playing, which is a Rollmaster system, is that if you failed, you could get you get XP for dying, if I remember right, in that game. Um, but the point was, if you failed, you would get experience points because failure is a teacher. Right. I'm assuming same principle. Uh, I can't speak on behalf of the designers, but I would imagine it has something to do with that. So whenever you're doing a check, or whenever you're doing a check, so okay, quick dungeon rule breakdown. If you two d six, if you roll, you have three tiers. You have uh, what is it, ten through twelve? Then, or 11, 11 and 12. No, oh, somebody's going to crack me on this. 10 through 12, great success, super success, everything goes well. If it's 7 through 9, then it's uh, okay success, but something else happens. And then if it's um, anything else, it's a fail. And so when you fail, you check. It's called check XP, and you mark off a little XP, and you get one. And then you fail again, one. So the nice thing is, is if you're smashing stuff or you're doing something well in the game, great, you're doing something well. And if you're not, you're still getting something. And then Yeah, you're learning, you're learning yeah. from the mistake hopefully. And then I think if you get like I think X and advancement works, uh, I believe it's 7 divided by 7 divided by 2 plus your level is how you advance. There's like a wacky solution to that. So it's like in over in order to level up, it's not a number, but it's based off of like seven divided by two plus your level. So first level, seven divided by two, three and a half. Cool. Plus your level four, you need four XP points to level the second level. Well, I think, so if you, you get stuff for role playing, you get stuff for being tricky, you get stuff for, you know, failing, you take all these different components of it. And what this does, and I've heard this from other folks, <clears throat> read it in very different pieces. So I'll, again, this is Brett pulling in tons of different crap he's read and paraphrasing the whole piece of it, is that what you reward your players on is what your game values, right? So if you're murder hobos and you, right. it's about tracking the number of kobolds and the amount of gold you kill get from killing them, Going back to town and selling every magic item and doing, you know, getting at that level—that is what you value in your game. It's the incentive system, right? Exactly, yeah. absolutely. So, <clears throat> regardless of if you have fate points or whatever the hell you have, if you only get those things when you do um, certain what you want, what the game master wants you to do, or what the exactly. game wants you to do. Correct. And this is where my earlier point around: Are you doing it by the book? Um, I have not read the AD&D or even the basic D&D how you give people experience for a long time I, I know then the newer versions it says hey here's how you can do ad hoc stuff here's how you can tweak it so I don't remember honestly the as written the older ways I'm sure I can look it up if I, if I cared to right now but point is is that people always gave it D&D shit for the whole kill people and take their stuff because that's what you got XP for okay the reason in Vampire people like the White Wolf system was because it was around role-playing. If you're into the story type of thing, you got experience for that. I believe that there's no reason you can't take that value to anything else. From what Frank House was telling me last time, um, if I remember from my uh, <laughs> the drunken haze of the conversation, at least horribly drunk on my end, um, he was saying you know, how things are rewarded and so forth through Numenera, which is a game he's playing the living hell out of right that now. That cookie guy it. did. Yeah, exactly. That cook guy did. Um, 
<laughs> but anyway, um, he was, you know, the same type, you know, role playing is very valued in his group. And this is why he never like, oh, my God, what you're doing sounds cool. Or he asked me some questions about how I did different things with Gumshoe and how that enabled players to be creative and so on, because he wanted to see, um, you know, how I'm doing it. And I want to hear how he was doing it, because that's the type of thing that he valued at his game. And I seem to have the same type of value for what I want to get out of my group. And I think when you talk about making players happy and so on, it's not just the world itself, but what do you, how do you want to be rewarded and for what things you want to be rewarded with? So <clears throat> if you want to be rewarded for killing monsters and taking their shit, then that's really simple. That's math. That's a spreadsheet. It's a Brett. When I was, when I'm running um, Osric for my two boys, they wanted to do some uh, multi-classing. So they went out. Their characters went out. We went on a little quest. We found a town that had the druid that uh, Connor could learn from, the guy that AJ could uh, become a paladin. We're doing some crazy mix matching because they're young and why not? Let's have some fun. So, and again, as I say, I don't follow the freaking rules anyway. So, <laughs> anyhow, they went down and we spent like two hours just talking about how they went through their training, how they it was tough physical work. Connor had to dig a hole, go talk to a tree, do this thing, build a shelter in the woods, track animals. AJ had to go on a mini quest. He had to fight people with no armor on. He had to do these other things, just these crazy things. It was like two hours of this. And they're like, boy, that was a lot of fun. Man, we got the level for that. Oh, that's great. We're multi-class now. That was all they wanted. And it was all around that particular piece. I've learned that that's what my boys want. They want to kill stuff and get experience points, but they don't want to track numbers. They don't give a shit. They don't want to look and go, oh, we're five XP away, man. Next goblin we get, boom, we're in. They don't care about that. They just want to know that they're being adequately rewarded so they can get tougher every time we play. So at the end of every session, I need to tell them, oh, you're close, not quite, or yes, you made it a new level. Something along those lines. That's sure. all they want to hear. But again, what you're doing is you're telling them, we're going to move the power curve in this fashion, and the rewards are around these things. And th whether you use the system as written or, or not, I, I would advocate that you don't have to use it as written ever. And you just spring saying, this is what I value. This is what I want to do. And you as a player, if you don't feel you're being rewarded for the type of play that you enjoy, you know, that's the thing to talk about with your game master. Make sense? Totally makes sense, man. I'm totally on board. Well, good. It's about time. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. How do you handle XP and advancement in a level type system? Notice how I put in a level type system so I don't get like, you know, some game I've never heard of and don't know anything about. You can tell us. I'd be interested if it has something even, okay, for those that aren't playing level type systems, what are what are some player incentives? Like yeah, what, no, how do you I'd reward be, them and get them to be cooler, better, whatever? And our people, I see it online and... I don't know how true it is. It's much like, you know, everybody hates, I hate Pathfinder, I hate Pathfinder, I hate Pathfinder. It fucking sells like crazy and people play it all over. So obviously there's a lot of people doing it. So are it's, people actively avoiding games because they don't like the reward system? Or are they just saying, you know what, I like the combat resolution, I like the skill system, the reward system, whatever. To me, that's one of the easiest things to hack or mod is how you want to reward people. Um, and maybe I'm wrong in that. And maybe there are games that people just flat won't play because they don't like the uh, the power climb. Maybe they don't like the creep. You know, it, it's creepy and not, you know, Autobahn Highway. I don't know. Yeah. 
I think that they're okay. So that's a whole nother topic in itself, which I think is, um, I think Pathfinder now, because it's just kind of, I mean, that's I, as far as I know, it's bigger than D and D still. I don't think five E is outsold Pathfinder yet. I'm sure. I don't it, believe so. I'm sure it will, but nonetheless, Probably. Pathfinder is out there and Paizo has done a good job with it. But I do think that, I think what we're going to see is, and I heard this on a podcast too. I think it might even been Happy Jack's um, RPG podcast where they talked about Pathfinder, Pathfinder the game and the players that play it are, it's different. It's like, it's just different. And I, and not to go into details on this episode and get into a diatribe about that, but I think what we will end up seeing is you'll have D&D, Pathfinder, and then like games like Fate and some other ones, but they're all going to, they're, they're role-playing games, but they're all going to be different. So a Pathfinder player is going to be different than a Fate player. It's just, they're, they're going to find different things that they appeal to in Pathfinder. So you know, if they like tactical combat, power ups, levels, you know, all that stuff, then I think it's just going to be different. It's like chess. It's true. Chess mean, is a good game. It's a game, but it's not. It's not the well, same. This is game one of the reasons D&D. why why uh, my friends and I, Lenny and I, are um, within our group are famous for saying this to the guy. It's a computer game. It's not a freaking role playing game. And uh, so we get on that, and um, every once in a while, um, I'll see pieces where. The role-playing game that you're doing doesn't match your expectations. And Mo uh, Mo Tusano was actually talking about this a few months back in a in a Google Plus post about uh, a kid who was playing with him and didn't like. They're playing an RPG. I think it was uh, 4E. I think I can't remember what the hell it was. He was playing an RPG tabletop, and the kid was like, he just didn't like, didn't like, didn't like. Someone wasn't working, and it basically was not getting strong enough. And Mo, being a good dude, reached, kind of figures out that talks to this kid, works through it, and he's like, oh, he plays a lot of video games. He's expecting click, click, ding, click, 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 ding, click, 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 ding at these intervals. And if not a big ding, some taste of something, every so often he has to have that or he's not go- or he's not having fun. That goes back to our, la- like, oh, excuse me, a few episodes ago. I can't remember what number it was, but it was um, System Matters, was it? But it had, but Brett and I yep. got in the discussion yep. about if you're playing a game and you're not playing by the rules of the game, then why freaking play that game? And, <laughs> and this goes to what Brett just saying, where if this kid wants to ding every time, whoops, ding every time because he's used to computer games, then don't, then don't play something abstract. Don't play Fate. You know, don't play. Um, I don't know, Fiasco. Well, I wouldn't see him playing Fiasco anyway. But No, then- but the other piece, though, is that if you want to, um, I think my advice at the time, because Mo kind of said, I don't know, guys, what do you think about this? I pitched in, and my, one, of me, one of my thoughts is, well, he needs to find a group that likes to play like that. I mean, well, that's I've, true. I've seen, I mean, if you can find a group of boys and girls who want to play, you know, whatever, Fate, uh, or whatever the way you want to play well, it. I see what you're going to do. I see what you're doing here. You're putting a spin on it and saying, well, just get your group get the group to play like that and then they can play any game like that that's bullshit well, well you can you but, can but it's bullshit i'm going to well, call I'm brett saying- on it, but i'm going to call brett to the floor cuz all you guys in brett's group that'll be like yep we play all the same and we play it and we're all on the same level and the same consensus so and we can play any have, game no, because many of I have talked about this many times and so to match your your bullshit call is that i'll say 
what do you think about it? We'll be he'll be bitching about a, an RPT. I'm like, dude, but when I ran that, you didn't care. And he goes, Brett, that's your game. You run games the way you run them, and we play them this way. He said, if I were to take that game as written, I wouldn't necessarily like it because of these features. We use it slightly different. Blah blah blah. As so, a group. As a group. Right. So anyway, my my point to my point in my response to Mo was, wow, I don't think the kid's gonna like what you're doing, so he either has to find another system with another group who likes that system to, or play a board game like Descent or something if that helps you know, do the, do the clicks that he wants. Or he's going to have to find someone else who runs a game system or runs it like he wants. Otherwise, he's not going to be satisfied with what you're doing. I think I would go, and I am rewording Brett's phraseology here, but I would say he would have to find a game that is more conducive to what he wants, and then in that game, the players to be all on the same page. Game first, player second. Not always, but in this guy's instance, I, I know. I, I'll tell you what, though. If you want to if you want to get in on the ground floor, right, if you want to, if you don't want to have to wait until you've had 20 years of gaming with the same group like I have, they go, yeah, yeah, it just fucking works. Well, of course it works. We've been together playing all these brainwashed. Systems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, we've been you doing know, it. We've, it's it's work, man. It's like at it work, is, Brett. It we've like done it like this. All, we've done it this way since the dawn years? of time. Yeah, for right, why would I change? Same thing. <laughs> no, seriously though, the if you same shit start, Brett and I bitch about comes to <laughs> in the gaming. Exactly. But if you want to start fresh, and you're like, look, I. I Man, we're playing this game, Call of Cthulhu. I like it, but I just don't feel I'm getting the the bumps or whatever it is. Somebody needs to help. I mean, you either go find it or someone helps you find it or whatever it is. Find another system that helps give it to you the advancement, as we're talking about in this particular episode. You know, it gets you to experience the advancement in a way that jives with you and the rest of the guys you're playing with. And then at some point, when you say, you know what, we really want to try that. New game, that Numenera game that that cookie guy wrote. We're going to go play Cookie's uh, Numenera game. And you get in there and you start playing Numenera and you're like, man, this is a lot of fun. Boy, their experience point system is just wonky to us. I just don't like this reward mechanism. I love everything else. Well, you know you found what you like. You can then carry that over. It It gives you something, if you will, it gives you nice baggage that you can carry from one game system to the other. Because you're like, hey, I like this thing. I like the way they do this. How could we make that work here so we can still have fun? Hey, it just occurred to me. Say Monty Cook's name reversed. What, why? Just say it. Cook Monty, right? Yeah. So now it's like you take the E off of Monty, put it on, <laughs> put it on Cook. Cookie Mont. So now it's like <laughs> so, so we close got to- Cookie Monster? So it's doing? so- Monty Cook is so close to Cookie Monster. I'm sure he's never heard that. I, you don't I'm think so? Sure we're- yeah, I'm sure. I've never heard it on a podcast, goddammit. That's all I got to yeah. say. When we get a cease and desist, we'll know what happened. Cease and desist. <laughs> all right, let's go into die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points we bring up about RPGs, geekery, short and sweet, something we want to plug and bring to your guys' attention to check out. Brett, you want to lead off? I have four. You have three. I got three. I'll get through my three. All right. So uh, Gen Con's... Um, Prep is going strong for my crew. Do you got a room? Um, <clears throat> I think we got a room, so I think we should be okay. Who are you going now we, with? Uh, Dave Z and I, at the very least. I see. We may pick up one or two other guys, but we're at least going to have a room. Oh, I should also, uh, Kevin and Austin will also be there. So you going to ride cool. your motorcycle? Uh, no, I will not. Shh. I got. I usually buy way too much shit. I need more room to carry stuff. You just need a bigger motorcycle. 
<laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, you you sell that one to wife. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm on her really top list <laughs> for selling of, in, of Brett's influences. <laughs> so anyway, um, Alex from Gamehole was uh, bitching on Facebook about the uh, uh, Gen Con's now notorious housing issue. I never go through Gen Con housing. Fuck that. Go through Expedia or something else. That's usually how we find a room. Do you save a lot of money going through Gen Con housing though? I have not noticed a lot of money savings. Ah, my friends, that. my friends and I have gone through it a couple different times over the years and tried other routes. I don't see a huge savings, and if nothing else, I don't have the heartburn of Gen Con housing fucking me up. It's going to so get I worse. Just get it myself. It's going to get worse <clears throat> if they keep growing. It's it. I I am not. I would love to go to Gen Con. Part of me, deep in my heart, really <laughs> wants to go. And then I think about it and go sixty thousand. So when I went to the first year in Indianapolis, and they said it's doubled since then. So if they came in at sixty thousand this past year, and it was thirty when I went, and I think I went in twenty eleven. So it was probably it's a lot 40-ish. of it is a lot of people. It's I think I mean people are like I'm not going to be able to eat at places without standing around. I'm going to have to like. I can't imagine what the dealer hall will be. I know they have a lot of room to grow, but there's even, I mean, I talked, there was another podcast that we were talking about and, and, or that we're talking about Gen Con and saying, could they outgrow Indy? I don't know. It's possible. It's conceivable. Or do they, you know, do they have it twice a year? I don't freaking know. I heard they got a lot of space in Indy, even in, I think there's a place underneath the stadium. Oh, could be. Don't know. I don't know. I, I but anyway, so I'd far so go, good for, for my crew in, in the prep, you know, to get there. We'll see. Are you going to run any games? No, I don't. I usually go down there for um, the auction hall and seminars, and I check the dealer hall for certain things. But um, I'm a collector, so I go through the auction, see some of the older stuff. I go through this. Um, I love to go to the different seminars, and I also like to kind of cut through the deal- dealer hall, see some of the um, some of the game companies I don't normally see. You know, any posted anywhere else, I can find their stuff online. But it's really cool to meet some of the guys, get a few things signed. Try not to be that dude with a backpack full of books to get someone to sign but it's nice to see some of those people and give that you know give ken height my money directly say hey ken i love your shit dude here's here's my you know 30 some bucks give me my book if you if you find brett at gen con and you see him wearing a gaming nbs t-shirt and you answer the five questions he gives you he will give you a million (laughs) dollars nice have a contest (laughs) yeah yes exactly that'll Eat into my children's college fund rapidly. Um, we didn't tell you what the questions would be. No, that's true. All right. So the next one is a spy game. I've been watching. I saw Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. The John Le Carre movie. And I watched Ronin like directly after that. And I'm running. I'm running. You're running Spycraft. Two minutes to midnight. Stop, stop. Anyway. So I'm thinking I got to do it. I don't know if I'm going to pull out my top secret SI or an older version or something, but I think I got to do a spy game one of these times. Something with fucking, no monsters. Fucking just, espionage, man. Hell yeah. Espionage. Yeah. I think I got to do it. Yeah. Even Knights Black yeah. Agents. Huh? It's got vampires in it, but the system, if nothing else from a system perspective, it could be really cool. I could hack out the monsters. But anyway, um, the last thing I have, and I'll turn it over to Sean, is I need a board game. My son is going to turn nine this April, and he tells me, Daddy, I want to have um, – I want to play Talisman with my friends, but it has to be easier than that because I don't think they'll get it. So, and he wants to be able to play something. Well, Talisman will take all day if you play it with a couple expansions like I have. So he knows he doesn't want to play a huge long game, but he wants to play something 
talismany, if you will. I've never a, a I've fantasy never played, board game or something. I've never. never? Played, oh, I've, I've never played Talisman. Jimmy has every expansion. I've played. I think every incarnation of Talisman, the different ed- editions that have been out, I've played most of them. Yeah, my buddy Jimmy has all of them. He's a big Talisman freak. As a matter of fact, at Gary Con last year, he ran Talisman as an. Oh, event. very nice. Yeah, and I think he may he may do it this year. I don't know. So anyway, if anybody's got, if uh, Mo, being the Canadian gaming god he is, probably knows this stuff off the top of his head. But if anybody has an idea for a, I'm looking at five nine-year-old boys that I need to entertain with board games of a fantasy variety. So if you got an idea or a Descent, concept, man. send no. me something. Descent? I don't know. That could work. I, that's on my list. I just I don't know what else is out there, quite Dude, frankly. I started looking at board game geek and stuff, and I don't know enough about some of, some of them to say, oh, shit, don't do that. It's not as much fun as the box looks. Yeah, it's highly rated, but I've played it. It doesn't work or whatever the case is. So. Imperial Assault. Sour that could be fun. The new one. That could be fun, too. They say it's better if you run it as a campaign, but you got to have the same players every time. Cool. But it's Star Wars, and it's good. It's Fantasy Flight. That's a good idea. And if you know so, somebody really cool. Uh-huh. Do, do you know anyone like that? Somebody really super cool that hosts oh, okay. a podcast with you. He may even have miniatures that you could substitute that are actually painted. Oh, I'll talk to Chad. Good idea. <laughs> Son of a bitch. bitch. All right, my turn. That's actually a good idea. Thank you. But anyway, if anybody else has any ideas, throw throw them my way. I'll be happy to use them. You're up, Sean. Modular Paint Workshop. Now it's starting to make its rounds. I saw it online. The thing is phenomenal. If you are a painter, and I'm looking at Lenny, Mr. Warhammer guy, showing off his minis all the time. Um, modular paint workshop. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's pretty freaking cool. And I think you have to buy it in pieces, but I mean, this thing like folds out and it's got all these different cubbies for all your paints and it tells and it shows you how all of them are organized. It's super sweet. I mean, I used to paint minis. I'm not a big mini painter now, but if you are heavy into it, this is the thing to have in my opinion, unless you have something custom that you built yourself. I don't know. It, it looks really cool. I have seen it uh, pop up a few places. But honestly, your um, your link here was one of the first ones I've seen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh, I found a four-hour cut of The Hobbit. <laughs> I saw I saw that made its rounds as well. Somebody took the three movies, was it, and hacked it yep. down to four hours? Yeah. And they, they hacked it all to what it should be. And, of course, I don't know. It's, I think, torrented and obviously not probably legal. You think putting it out there, but I do have a, the third movie isn't even available for purchase yet. Uh, so, uh, what is it? The MPAA just for the record, man, I'm po- I'm posting a link to a blog post. That's it. What is on that blog post? I don't Not know. I don't Not know. Right. All right. Check it out though. And then another one. So Habit RPG. This is interesting. I know uh, somebody who's local, I think, um, uh, I know, who had worked at a big company in the area that employs thousands of people doing uh, medical records. I won't mention the company. But he worked there for- Search Medicine, Wisconsin, medical record company. Yeah. Um, but on. I knew this person who had worked out there for like nine, 10 years. And usually if they work out there for that long, it's a long time. And anyways, he, he jumped ship and I noticed he updated his 
LinkedIn. And I just kind of, I'm like, oh, he went to, oh, this is interesting. And I, kind of, I think he went to this company and then I blew it off. And then I, I heard somebody else talk about it somewhere through the blogosphere. I think it was actually on a work, per, it was like on a personal production web uh, podcast, like a, you know, self-improvement kind of podcast, but okay. Habit, Habit RPG, which is kind of unique, where you create a dude and you make habits for yourself. And then when you, like you, when you do those habits, which are supposed to be good, like, Hey, I want to exercise 10 minutes every day. You get experience points and you level your guy up. He's got like, uh, I'm looking at the, at the site now. I think it's all uh, family, family time, one hour, five vegetables, you know, reading for X number of minutes or hours a day and you get XP for it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So you do all that. And not only that, I heard that if you get a group in on it, then you could start getting like an adventuring party to like get in on all this. That's so I'm funny. like, that's freaking ingenious. And you know, some of us gamers could probably use some better habits and that may be the one. So I think sometimes when people don't do things that they probably should or whatever, they don't have an incentive. They don't want to do it. Maybe it's a pain, but uh, maybe, you know, whatever. But this is something that gamers can relate to. And it would be something positive. So I thought it was kind of cool. And I might check it out myself. But you have to put in a lot. Like you have to put in a lot of goals so that you're doing a lot of different things and hitting those goals. And then you're our you habits. Level up yeah. Cool. And then you level up and it's, it's yeah. Totally, totally this episode appropriate, right? How do I get rewarded right? for this? <laughs> totally, yeah. And, and I think you now have the, um, I think you get the award for most appropriate die roll to podcast topic. Well ah, done, sir. Well very done. well. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of, and the funny thing is, is I think I put it up there before Brett picked the topic. So look at that, man. It's like we're melded at the brain. Read my mind. All right, so we went a little over. Well, you know what are you going to do? Okay, good stuff is good stuff. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in to episode 20. Much appreciated. If you and all the people that have left iTunes reviews for us, thank you so much. It helps us get exposure. If you haven't done that and you're kind of sitting around, I put it on my to-do list. I left about three reviews this weekend for other podcasts I listen to. But otherwise, I appreciate it. I'm one of your uh, hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Thanks, folks. Good night. Good game and all.